0: Two, ready, one. Hello, and welcome to Save That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA.
1: Allergies.
0: Fair enough. Joining us also <laughs> the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Greetings. Joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger.
2: I don't know if I'm comfortable making the podcast without Glenn coughing into the microphone at the beginning of the show. That's yeah, how I, allergic he is. He can't
0: I, even fake coughs to annoy me.
2: I usually do a, a you know cough cough
1: check. Sure, you know, like you do. Oh. <laughs> there it is. <laughs>
0: well, not that anyone's still listening, but we should press on. Um, we we did, liked- I,
1: did I mention I have allergies? Yes, you did. You know, well, J- you didn't so
0: much mention you have them as you just said the word allergies in a very <laughs> sling blady way.
1: Jed also has allergies, but as as people know, I really only allow one person at a time to have allergies. Sure. They, it, you know, otherwise you're just splitting up the attention. Sure. Yeah. So you can have all the attention on the allergies, man. Well, thank you. Yeah, I have the allergies.
0: It's almost like Jed knows how to take a little bit of Glenn's fun out of getting all the attention for sickness. That's yeah. right. Immediately conceding defeat. Well, you know, a place they don't have to deal with
1: allergies? Oh, I where assume. Is that? Yeah, sure. Is Norway. Oh. The Scandinavian
0: really? countries, I assume it kills all the germs, just the cold.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah.
0: Between the cold and the heavy metal, I assume it's just <laughs> some of the resonances. It's yeah. all just gone.
2: Yeah. When you combine heavy metal with, with everybody wearing something that was knitted by somebody else. Yeah, In yeah. That's all, just, at all times.
0: That's impenetrable. Well, we mentioned it's, all,
2: it's like heavy. I'm sorry, Matt. But it's getting, like heavy. It's like heavy metal and wholesomeness. Me. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, uh, but what if you're allergic to reindeer? <coughs> wow. Oh.
0: Well, then I think no Christmas for you.
1: Also, I think that's a sign
0: of having a demon.
1: Also, I just had this thought okay reindeer jerky oh yeah i need to have that in my life (laughs) dude as a
3: for real thing there's a place near us that does reindeer sausage
1: well let's go for christmas let's hook it up okay
0: You guys like to plan any more of your meals on air? While no, okay. well, then. Yeah, uh, okay.
1: yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, we're moving, we're moving mm-hmm. back, moving back to Norway. Yes, Yes. Yeah. Any, any restaurant recommendations in the Greater Oak Park area? Just
3: I mean, I have a lot of them, but I'm sensing okay. that
0: special bonus episode.
3: I'm, I'm sensing that may not be a sincere request in your <laughs> well, part. Well, let me
1: tell you what wow. our our restaurant review podcast thing is going to take right off, and then you'll see. That's right.
0: That's right. Guys talk about food. (laughs) Who doesn't want that? Uh, So we mentioned Norway because we had a nice message come in from our friend Jacob, who lives in that fine country. This was a a reblog of one of our posts on Tumblr, which is a social media platform that still exists, apparently, despite uh, lots of evidence. Uh, So it was a Glenn quote, as all the most popular ones are. And it's Mm. and uh, Jacob reblogged it, said strongly and hardly recommend these guys. I recommend their podcast. Say that one hour with a perfect mix of goofing around and giving straight and sound answers to serious questions
3: and hyper local restaurant recommendations.
0: Yeah, well, I'm glad we've gotten the reviews we have before now. Right. I feel that all future reviews, which, by the way, leave a review or uh, mentions on social media will evolve. It's great. And there's so they're funny and there's great. Spiritual wisdom. And occasionally you have to use that 15 seconds forward button a lot until they start talking about the closest <laughs> restaurant to where they live.
3: Right, yes. Right.
0: But
1: Glenn, you you had a take on this. Well, first of all, if you really loved the show, wouldn't you have already sent the reindeer jerky? Uh, you wow. know what I mean? That wow. may
0: Reindeer jerky may be illegal there.
1: Well... That's it's all, a sacred animal. Well, it's all the more reason to send it to us. Ah, plus I they mean,
0: they like ride them to work and stuff. I assume again, I'm I don't pretty, know that much about Norway. Pretty
1: but. sure that's how that works. Uh, you know, we don't have proof of not that, but um, a lot of people don't know this. But fairly recently, I declared my free agency on uh you know my citizenship. Okay. So you're I'm a free a,
0: agent. In pretty much everything. If anybody's willing to make an yeah. offer,
1: oh yeah. If you, you're ready to make 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 a, you know some sort of offer, you'll you'll consider it. Yeah, you know, there's you know, uh, it, like if I meet a, a a person from another religion, I say, well, make me an offer. Sure, you know, it's never that good of an offer, so you know, Absolutely. There's that because uh, you got to be open to things. Well, but here's what <laughs> I'm saying is, uh, I feel like uh, Norway would be the kind of place. Where I could, you know, I could really, I could really sink my teeth into Norway.
3: Right, you really belong there.
1: Yeah. So like, I don't know that they would appreciate me there, <laughs> but I, I think you know, I think it'd be pretty cool. Absolutely.
0: What is it about Norway other than it's not here?
3: Well, you got your extreme metal. That's one thing. Yeah. That's there's, good. there's that. Fitz loves extreme metal.
1: Totally. Well. Y- y- yeah. I, I I I like some metal.
3: Yeah. The like, more extreme, the better.
1: Like some of the old school stuff, but then Jed plays me some stuff, and I'm not really sure what I'm listening to.
3: I think the phrase you've used is, it essentially just sounds like white noise. Yes, that's... uh,
0: Which is an accurate description
3: on many levels. Well, yeah, there is that.
1: Uh, But here's the deal. Uh, We're huge in Norway. Totally. Now, like, some of you are telling your friends about the podcast and like trying to describe it to them you know local restaurant reviews fashion updates sure absolutely some uh spiritual wisdom
3: how are we looking this year for infinity scarves let me tell
1: you what uh my sources tell me yeah infinity scarves out uh mm. way out
3: well i shouldn't invest in my life savings in the infinity scarf corporation well i
1: i tried to warn you you did you did Uh, So these are the things why people tune in, right? But some some people out there uh, have uh, no taste. Right. They don't like things that are good. Right. So you might be recommending to your friends a podcast, and they might be like, I want to listen to something that's not good. And you're like, well, what can I do with that? There's only so much you can do. But now you can explain to them, this podcast is huge. In Norway, right, and that that way they'll be intrigued, right.
2: Well, if you go to Norway, Glenn, yeah. as like a ambassador for the podcast, uh-huh. do you do you become like an honorary Viking or something like that? I'm pretty sure, like I would be some form of count or duke. Nice, like I'm they not... give you a longboat and the whole thing. Are they still doing that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, like the with conquering the other people. Yeah, yeah, you
1: know that kind of. I, for some reason, I think they would just give me a turkey leg, and I would be eating that. <laughs> um, that just in my mind. No, that's I'm...
0: that's Disneyland. You're thinking oh, of Disneyland.
1: Okay.
3: Well, I think I know a way that we can really deepen our connection with our Norwegian audience. Okay. And at the same time... Oh, this
0: has all the setups of something offensive? Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, no,
3: no, no. I think this is good. Cement ourselves. Yeah. Now, Norway, as we all know, has the fjords. All okay. Right? Many of sure. the fjords. Right. If there's one thing Christian worship music loves, it's nature metaphors that have to do with water. You're oh, saying
0: wow, untapped true. worship music market.
3: This is what I'm talking about. Fjords. I mean, we've talked about rivers of mercy, oceans of grace, but how many songs have talked about fjords of compassion?
2: Oh, my goodness. So, okay, wow. so you're
0: taking compassion. Yes. Yeah. As we all know, every geogra- geological feature has one spiritual thing it's like. Yeah. So mountains or steadiness or whatever. Yeah. And everything grace runs like a river. So you're saying compassion, yeah. that's a fjord.
3: Yeah, I think that's one of the fjords, but there are many fjords. Oh! You're, you're talking about praise and fjord. Yes. His love has many fjords. Exactly right, exactly. Right.
0: I think this whole thing... And it brings me to a secondary Scandinavian emergency, because we never declared emergency the first
1: time. Oh, oh wow. Uh, wow. yeah, okay.
0: Glenn, we, Glenn and Jed, we move slightly across the Scandinavian... Or, Archipelago, I don't know what it is. Sure, We're crossing tundra. many fjords. Yes, we cross many fjords to get to the land of Finland.
3: oh okay. Whoa.
0: Where uh say that uh Malaysian correspondent Miss Guinevere informs us mm-hmm. on Twitter that they're way ahead of us. because Miss Guinevere sent us a uh <sighs> video on Tumblr of a black metal Lutheran mass yeah. that happens in Sweden. Yeah. In Finland, pardon me. Finland, and yes. like full on, like it's an old Lutheran church and it's just the whole thing. dude has got, he's in the vestments with the giant beard. Yeah. It's all wow. going. Lee has just texted us the joke. Lee, I'm interrupting my own interruption. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You need to get the joy of saying this. Yes. Please do.
2: Uh, our, the worship song we're going to lead off with was, is good. Good Fjorder. Yes. Okay.
0: Excellent. Please send your Fjord, Fjorder father based (laughs) puns to all of us on Twitter. I go, we kick back because Miss Guinevere informed us. Black Lutheran, black metal, Lutheran mass. Yeah, they do it that way apparently every Sunday. Yeah, and unlike, see, we get a lot of videos from churches like you know doing the we're gonna do the grand opening and there's one thing that's often conspicuously absent from those videos, and that's a shot of the crowd.
1: Right, that's right. There's yeah. lots
0: of shots of, like, it's a zoom-in on a handshake, yeah, and right. it's the guy on stage, uh-huh. and it's the worship team, but they never turn that camera around to the crowd. Why would right. that be? <laughs> well, because there isn't one. Oh, right, I see. Yes. But our friends in Finland appear to have a pretty full house.
3: Oh, very nice. Well, people do love the metal. Absolutely. The extreme well, that, metal.
1: That That whole service looked like it was, like... It was really happening. Yeah. Like people were like digging it and like Getting really, into it, into it, you know, yeah. So
0: here's what I'm saying. Let's synthesize. Yeah. We know that we're huge in Norway.
1: Definitely Because we only
0: know one Norwegian dude and yeah. he listens, so that's like that's hundred percent right there.
1: Hundred percent saturation.
0: We know that the people <laughs> like the metal. Yes. Yeah. The Bridge Loud comes out every Friday. You can tune it at Come on nine now. PM Eastern on Call FM every Sunday. Let's go. Or if you really are hopped up on Red Bull, I guess. You can turn it at 3.30... 3 a.m. 3.30 a.m. Central, Saturdays,
1: what, into Sunday. No, what is that fjord time?
0: Central fjord time? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Glenn, the fjord knows no time.
1: Oh, it's time.
0: It's a land out of time, filled yeah. only with compassion. Yeah. Uh, and here's the other thing. Here's the thing that brings us all together. We happen to know a fair number... Of Lutheran clergy people.
3: Yes, we that's do. That's true. Wow. I
0: think the next time they ask, you know, we, we feel like we got to goose these numbers. What can we do? I think the only answer is heavy metal mass. That's
1: yep. right. Yeah, that's it.
0: Where, where's your church? Inner City of Chicago? Don't care. Heavy metal mass. That's right.
1: That's right. right. Yeah.
0: I think, we, I think we did a good thing. I think we reached out to the people of the world. Yeah. And I think we helped solve some church problems back here at home. Oh, yeah. Wow. Now- on that basis. Glenn, you have one more thing?
1: Just one more thing. I, I think in Iceland they have geysers. Yes, that's okay. true. So, you know, geyser, Natural springs, yeah. Geysers of love. I like it's
0: good. it. It's good. I like you it. It's, know, it. it's and good, just, definitely.
1: Just, just thumbtack that for later. No, that's excellent.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, that that was good. And so with all that, and again, if you want to, on Twitter or on email, send us in your thoughts for either things for. Fu- Fjorder father puns. Yes. Which I don't think we're going to run out of those very, very soon. Right. Or uh, your uh, suggestions for untapped geological features. Yes. That can be used for Christian <laughs> metaphor. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: and I think if we get enough of them, I'm going to sign up uh, Jed and Lee to turn them into a worship. Session. Oh yeah.
1: There you oh, go. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so you can send those at podcastgmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at the bridge CHI. And with all that, I declare mercy off. Nice. Lovely. I wish I'd learned how to say any words in any Nordic language. There you go. I would have tried that, but as it is, it just would have been a super racially insensitive kind of Swedish chef voice. Right. No one sounds, wants that. Like, sounds like us. Yeah, yeah. No one wants that. Okay. We're going to jump to our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll you some ways that you can get in touch. This first question comes in anonymously. And it says, how can you show love to people and still put your foot down? I know I can lose my temper and get my way, but when I don't get my way, but I don't feel very Christian when I do. Then again, it doesn't feel good to just go along with people in their madness either. I know if you love someone, sometimes you have to speak up, but I don't know how to do that unless I'm mad and yelling. And Jed, why do off?
3: Well, we're glad you wrote in. And I think part of where we need to start here is by being clear. What you're talking about is confrontation. Right. Nobody likes confrontation. Nobody. There may be people in the world that kind of like it. They have other struggles in their lives. Um, it I've, It's very rare to meet a healthy person that just savors confrontation. Well,
0: certainly no one savors healthy confrontation. Exactly. People who think they like confrontation just like yelling.
3: That's right. That's right. Uh, Given that, I want to offer some ideas of ways you can approach this that get good results, but also keep it from being something awful. The first thing is speak up early. Um, I think the number one mistake that most people make is they let something bother them and bother them and bother them to a point where they kind of can't be even-handed about it anymore. I mean, if you get to a certain level of frustrated and angry on a topic, it's going to be pretty hard for you to give a fair, cool-headed review of the situation. That's just kind of too much to ask. So that means speaking up uh, much, much earlier. And then the next thing is to recognize that... We talk on this show a lot about the idea of boundaries. And that's really what we're talking about here, setting boundaries with people. But boundaries are not about telling other people what to do. Uh, boundaries are about making it clear what you're going to do, what you will and will not put up with. That's that's what boundaries are are about. And that's really important because I think for a lot of us, part of the reason why we don't confront is we feel like, I don't know how to tell this person to stop doing what they're doing in a way that would make sense and would work. And that's a legitimate concern it's pretty rare you're telling a person to stop doing what they're doing. It's much more likely that you're going to say, I'm not going to put up with you doing what you're doing. That's a different conversation. So if there's a family gathering and Aunt Christine is always saying something awful and racist and hurtful, um, it is kind of weird to say you can't say those things because, you know, you can't really tell another grown person what to do. But it's perfectly reasonable to say when those statements start, I'm leaving. I don't like sure, I them. I think they're wrong. I think they're, they're unchristian. I think they're uncharitable. I'm not going to be around them. So I'm letting you know now when those statements begin, I'm leaving. Um, I, I wish you wouldn't make them at all. Cause I'd love to be able to stay, but if you make me choose, I'm going to leave. That's, that's the situation. Now, of course, Aunt Christine won't like that. And she may be pretty uncool about that in the moment, but that's actually your best case. That's, that's, you know, kind of how you set that up. And, As you enforce those boundaries, I mean, people will test any boundaries you set. As you enforce those boundaries, you go to a family gathering. Aunt Christine says awful things. You get up and leave. What you may find is in the future, she waits longer before she says awful things. Um, People have a way of begrudgingly respecting boundaries even as they don't like them. But to make all that work again, we need to speak up early. We need to set clear boundaries that focus on what we're going to put up with, not what we're trying to convince another person to do or not do.
0: That's a really fantastic place to start this whole discussion off. And Lee, I'd love to go to you here because I think exactly as what Jed is talking about here. One of the reasons we may have a problem with confrontation is we see it as this is an inherently mean thing yeah. that I have to do now. And not to say we have to like doing it, as Jed pointed out, nobody likes confronting people, but I think when we see what a confrontation is and it's, and setting a boundary is in its proper context, that may make it a little easier to unpack. So what is the right context for setting a boundary?
2: Yeah, the right context for set. The, the funny thing is, it's exactly kind of as Jed is saying, is it's, it's one of these things where it feels like if I'm setting a firm boundary, that feels like I'm being harsh. But actually, that is the way that all healthy relationships can flourish. Um, setting boundaries is not something that's that's just reserved for conflict. It's a part of every single healthy relationship. It's, it's again, it's where, it's where relationships flourish. The context of this is when, when there is an issue, you use, uh, figure out the, you know, the, the way that you will handle that. And then you make that known as clearly as possible. The, the more clear the expectations are, and the, uh, the and the the more clearly you uh, lay those out, the the more the relationship is gonna is gonna benefit from it. The tough thing is, Jed is exactly right. Some people respond really really poorly to this kind of thing, but um, it's one of those deals where enabling somebody is kind of the extreme on one side, and that's no good for the relationship. And blowing up and going off, that's the extreme on the other side. That's no good. But oddly, setting a clear boundary in an even-handed voice, like without, you know, without raising your voice or anything like that, it feels extremely confrontational. But this is how this is how this relationship is going to go to the healthiest place. There's a uh there was a physician who was um actually the first female director of the National Institute of Health, a lady called Bernadine Healy, and She was like this, just this kind of amazing director of this humongous organization of doctors and that, you know, that did all kinds of stuff nationally. And she had a sign on her desk that said, uh, that said strong verbs, short sentences. And she wanted everybody that came into her office to say, you know, we're going to have conversation and I want the conversation to go like this. I want you to be clear. That's that's what I want our relationship to be. So that was the sign on her desk. Strong verbs, short sentences. When you're laying out a boundary, that's the way you want to talk. That's the way that's the context and that's kind of the way you want to do this. You don't have to yell, you don't have to go off. That's the other extreme from enabling. As you've heard us say before, the opposite of a bad idea is another bad idea. You can say this with an even-handed voice and with respect and gentleness, but you but you need to use strong words, strong verbs. Short sentences, make it as clear as possible. This is what it's going to be. in Jed's case that, that he laid out, if you use those kinds of uh, those kinds if you start talking in that way, I will leave. I don't want to leave because I want to be here with you, but if you talk that way, I will leave. That's clear as day. And, and oddly, when people have clear expectations, that's when that relationship can build and, and, and flourish, and that's the context that we want to do this.
0: That's all very good stuff. And Glenn, I wonder if you can give us a little more of a look at the, at the practical realities of having these conversations. Cause I think um, it is one of those things where if you've never done this, the, well, we would say is the right way. There's a lot of misconception that starts at a pretty uh, foundational level. Like we take what Lee just said. It's fantastic advice. Strong verbs, short sentences, right? Strong does not mean yelled. Right, sure. I think there's yeah. this idea that the to have dr- we talk about drawing firm boundaries. We talk mm-hmm. about ideas like, uh, cut deep, cut clean. Mm-hmm. Or, right. You know, going early. We can even talk about really being forceful with a boundary when we have mm-hmm. to. But none of that is about anger. None of that is about right. volume. Yeah. So to n- to not couple those things in our mind, what does that actually look like?
1: Well, I think, uh, you know, really what these fellows are doing is kind of giving you a layered approach to this. And I think that's the right way to look at it. So if you take, for example, what, what Jed is talking about with starting early, well, a lot of that has to do with, um, uh, varying that and, and recognizing you can say a very small thing very early, you know, if, uh, it, you know, if Grandma says, "Well, I'll tell you something about politics," you say, "Let me stop you right there, Grandma. I <laughs> Love <laughs> you." But uh, tell me about your garden. You know that kind of thing. You know, it doesn't that doesn't have to be a huge confrontation, and it wouldn't make any sense to have a big confrontation because we're just we're you know you can see her launching up a road that we're all going to have a disagreement on. Uh, so. Uh, it's okay if somebody makes an inappropriate joke or something like this. that to kind of say, oh, you know, why, why don't you don't? That kind of thing. It's easy enough to make a very small thing very early on. And I think, uh, f- for the record, I think that's that's fair to the other person. If you're going to have to right. give somebody a big confrontation, it's fair for them to get a little bit of a warning as, as they're as they're getting closer to that line.
0: Well, to give a specific example on that from the bridge, um, one of the phrases we use a lot, particularly people who haven't been there before, is this phrase: "We don't do that here."
1: Absolutely, and that really dovetails with what Lee's talking about. Uh, as, as we say, you know, cold is better than hot. You know, so yeah. if I if I pull you aside and I say, I can't have you do- have I can't have you doing that here point blank simple you know the the other person can come back and say well you know you you could let me ruin your service if you wanted to and uh, you know i don't want to so i can't have you doing that here i have to stand before god and 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 i'm accountable for what happens in that room so no it's a simple statement it's not and the thing that we will often say Simultaneous to that is, I'm not mad at you. I'm not saying this because I'm mad at you. I, I, I pulled you aside long before I got mad about this. Right. Uh, so I, it's not being said in anger at all. I'm just explaining to you how life works, that's all. So uh, I think what what's poorly understood is when you get heated and you get upset, people see that as a form of weakness and they push back harder. They think, "Well, I can get away with this because this person's emotional, and I can claim that they're just saying it out of emotionality, and they're all they they're flying off half cocked and they're you know whatever, and all that kind of thing uh it's when when you're cold and direct with somebody." You're not giving them, giving them little handholds where they can try and manipulate you back on stuff, and that helps. I mean, uh, it it helps people to see. I've thought through what I'm telling you. I'm I'm not saying this out of emotion. I'm not saying it out of anger. I'm I'm not angry towards you. You don't have to be defensive on that. Uh, I wouldn't do that. I, as these other fellows are implying, here's what happens. We'll use anger to motivate ourselves to make a confrontation so i'm not doing it until i get angry enough and i'm waiting for the moment where the anger sort of sweeps me up in this wave <laughs> of, of just where i'm compelled right, to say something in that moment you're going to say something really bad yeah the cognition
2: kind of breaks down yeah, yeah.
1: you just the, all it's, that emotion is clouding the thinking it's not an Aaron Sorkin movie. That's no, not the exactly way exactly that right. That's exactly what it is. But you think that's what it is in your mind. Yeah. I mean, when you're that angry, everything just feels so true to you. You're, you're the bringer <laughs> of truth that you're going to lay it down. And you realize everyone has this look of horror on their face, like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And also, why didn't you say anything sooner? And also, why are you screaming? And, you know... What you does... ruined Christmas again. Yeah, exactly, you know. So, you know, if you if you speak up a, a lot sooner and you don't use that emotion as a motivator, you're speaking with a much clearer voice and and the people that you're confronting need that in their lives. Yeah,
0: I think all that is really really good advice and it is applicable to if you've gone past the point where uh, you can say I'm not angry, but um, if you if you let it sit along, which I'll do sometimes, and, uh, you know, and you are well and truly pissed, all this still applies this Is all through your strategy. The thing you need to do before that is go bleed this anger off somewhere. That's not at the person you're yeah. trying to have a conversation with that. That is you definitely want to pray about that. You definitely want to unload that on Lord. If there's someone in your life, friend, a young life leader, pastor, you know, a coworker that you can just kind of have the, uh, the gripe session as we often do around here and but that's, again, that has to be intentional or it can go wrong because you can do the gripe session as a build up to just genning up anger and then going off half cocked. The much more good way to do that is to say, I have this anger. I need to do something with it. You need to get that out of the way. And then you can actually have the productive conversation. And all this stuff these guys said yeah. will still apply in that situation. All right, move on to our next question here. It comes in anonymously and it says, What makes a church a church? Do there have to be certain things? Does it have to be in a denomination? Great question. And Lee, since you work at a church, why don't you start us off?
2: I do. Uh, happy to. Uh, I, this is a funny thing because there's so many different kinds of churches, and and, and people's experiences are so unbelievably varied. Matt and I were recently <laughs> driving through a a midwestern city where every at every block there were like these gigantic uh mega churches and then Matt later told me it was like the mega church center of America. There was like more of them there than any other place. And some people have that kind of experience and other people have these totally totally different experiences. The church that I work at was started in a living room and it's still not a huge church. Um it doesn't have to be a denomination. When you look at what is a church and what is the basic stuff that you're looking for, what I would kind of boil it down to these things this is a place of fellowship for for people that believe in Jesus. It's a place where they can get together and worship the Lord and learn from the scriptures, learn from him, learn from each other. And it's a place where folks can get equipped to serve and do outreach. So the way the Bible talks about it is that believers are the body of Christ. They're actually the hands and the feet of Jesus. So we want to be the people who witness the uh, the witnesses of the love of Jesus. He has loved us. He has saved and rescued us. And we want to turn around and love and help the, the the world and show them what the love of Jesus is like. And so we get together to worship, to build each other up, to encourage each other, to take care of each other, to uh, provide that fellowship together. We learn from him, and then we get ready to go out and, and reach out. Um, now, <laughs> the weird thing is, is that I mean, that's the kind of the basic stuff, worship, fellowship, outreach, you know, get get strong together so you are equipped to go out and serve. Um, this is what a church is and what a church ought to do. So you can be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff that happens at churches, and some of that denominational stuff is just is just ancillary stuff. Some of it's cool, some of it is some people's flavor, not other people's flavor, but that's not the stuff that you have to have. You don't have to have a particular building, you don't have to have a certain kind of worship service. We were just talking about the one with the with the with the heavy metal in Finland, which is really really cool. There's all kinds of different ways to do that, but I think the thing that we're looking for is is this a place where folks uh, are welcome, folks are Shown the love of Jesus, and we are uh, getting together to take care of each other, encourage each other to go out and to reach out to to support folks who are reaching out and to make sure that the hands and f- that we're the hands and feet of Jesus. That's really what we're looking for at a basic level.
0: Uh, it really is a fantastic, basic introduction to that. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to, to pick us up there because, as Lee mentions, there are a lot of things in and around the idea of a church. And a lot of them uh, fall under the category of what we would call made up crap. Right. And we say that harshly because we mean it harshly, Mm -hmm. but not all made up crap is necessarily harmful. It's just not essential. Right. Things like uh, an elder board is in the Bible, but things like a deacon board, things like, you know, a a sites committee, we would say that's a little extra, you know, know? but if you have, somebody's got to take care of the building, there are these things that are, good doesn't make them necessary. So where do we draw some of those lines?
1: Well, the uh, if you're listening to this and you are a Protestant, there, there are two uh, key uh, points of doctrine that make you Protestant and not Catholic. Uh, and this would apply to any uh, Protestant group. Uh, one is the concept of sola scriptura. It's a Latin phrase, just means only what's in Scripture. So th- the idea there is you believe what's in the Bible, but you don't believe other stuff that other people make up. So uh, if you're in a Catholic Church, they might teach you that the traditions of the Church, and God works through that so that they sort of become holy, so they become sort of co-equal with Scripture. Uh, But uh, a lot of Catholics, and certainly all Protestants, believe that if it's not in the Bible, you don't get to make stuff up and then call that as equal to Scripture. The second uh, uh, concept uh, that makes you uh, a Protestant is uh, a a point of doctrine called the priesthood of all believers. It's it's sort of a heavy phrase, as most theological ones are, but it simply means— Martin Luther
0: was a bit of a drama queen. We can all agree on that.
1: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that essentially what it means is that there's no— a priesthood between us and God that that Jesus is our only me- mediator between uh ourselves and God so that there isn't a class of people who are specially uh ordained and designed to to regulate that relationship mm-hmm. and, and and mediate it and be a go between between us and the Lord that that does not exist um uh, so uh, if you believe that then that informs us on how to think about this this issue. Uh, here's what the Bible says about uh, itself and and what is written in it. And this is Jesus uh, speaking. Uh, he this is in a couple of different places in the Gospel, but I'm in uh, Mark chapter seven. Uh, Jesus starts by qu- quoting the Old Testament, as it turns out, and he says, "These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain." Their teachings are merely human rules. Okay, he's talking to religious leaders. He's talking to you know, in this case, Jewish religious leaders. Uh, he he says, "You have let go of the commands of God, and you're holding on to human traditions. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions." And he, he goes into some examples and so forth. So what he's saying is, you're a bunch of religious people that have made up religious rules that are just human things made up, and then you're you're rebuking me and my followers for not going along with your made-up human stuff. So he's, he's drawing two big, clear distinctions. There's what Jesus is saying, what, what God is telling his prophets in the Old Testament— on one hand, or on the other hand, there's human teachings. And uh, there may be a human teaching or, or tradition or whatever that you like, that you think is okay and is neat. That's fine. But it's not ever, ever to be held anywhere near sacred. Because it's not. It's human. Okay. So, here is a thing that's not sacred or human: the idea of clergy, the idea of a uh, a uh, seminary, the idea of uh, a you know a liturgy that you have in your church, and you know whatever those things are, you're you're these are things that human beings made up, and some of them are good, some of them are not good, and they they should be weighed on their own merits. Uh, but I think we have to recognize uh, that we can't. Have another human being tell me as a human being this is when you are allowed to call yourself church because you just made that up on your own, and it turns out I get to make up my stuff too uh, i think uh I think yes I mean for sure i like I think structure is good. Actually, I'm I'm not a big structure guy, but I know that it is good. I know uh, having a time where you're doing uh, a regular baptism and communion and having that within a structure and and calling that church and doing it in an organized way, all of that is good. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that we need to move closer towards a free for all. That's not at all the message here. But I am saying that we need to look at at, at the idea of because uh, we're seeing more and more of this lately, where churches are losing numbers and they're losing happiness because they're losing numbers.
0: By happiness, do you mean money?
1: Yes, that's also oh. what, what's happening there. And so a lot of the people who are leaving the church are turning towards uh, house church movements or smaller churches, uh, the kind of churches like the one that Lee is in where there's it's, it's more of a personal touch and that kind of stuff. So... That is breeding this idea of what is church and what is not church, and we're we're getting to a place of hey, you know, you you're not allowed to freestyle this, and I think a lot of if I could land on this, a lot of that uh, talk, yes, it does come from a place of insecurity, so to speak, but it's pointed at this idea that if you aren't part of A larger, structured, ordained by humans thing, then you're going to get into bad doctrine because you're going off on your own and freestyling this thing. The problem with that is just about every missionary in the world can tell you about how Uh, the church has flourished in sort of a vacuum, where, where they just, here's the gospel, and here's the Bible, and they figure it out for themselves, and how often that works out better than what we see in church culture. So... I'm not at all subscribing to this idea of don't try and do your own house church because probably you'll end up worshiping some voodoo god instead. Oops. That, that, doesn't, uh, that doesn't track we for me at We conjured
0: all. a dang demon. Yeah. Get did it again. Yeah. And Jed, I think this, this is a very important thing as Glenn's pointing out. I, I imagine, I could, could be wrong, but I imagine this is where this question came from, is there is some people, there's a lot of kind of church stuff happening in the, in, particularly in America, but I think in the, the rest of the world and part of that, the response to that, you would think, well, maybe these people who run these giant places, these big budgets would think, well, we should do better. Right. And oh, no. Right. Their thing is, you gotta. Sure. Because sacraments. Sure, totally. Which totally aren't made up. Just, you know, they're in there somewhere. Don't look too hard. Sure. There. But so th- there's, there's a verse in, in Matthew 18 about wherever two or more gather in my name. Yeah. I'm there among them. Yeah. I think that says something very uh, profound about what we're dealing with when we look at strictly the idea of what makes church, church. Yeah. But how does that play into this?
3: That's a great question. Well, let's, let's start all the way at the beginning. It's Matthew eighteen twenty. Jesus says, wherever, whenever two or more of you are gathered in my name, uh, there I am in your midst. Okay. That is church. Jesus is saying, if you're getting together with um, one or two other believers, there's two or three total of you in the name of Jesus you you are a church at this point. You you are a church body. So that's it. It's it's fully church as of that point. Now it's also worth noting that the Bible does say that Christians should not give up meeting together with other Christians, which is if you if you almost do the math and say, well, if I'm one Christian and I get together with another Christian, we are church at that point. If I shouldn't give up meeting together with other Christians, then that's mathematically basically the same as saying I shouldn't give up going to church, which is true. But that's really more about fellowshipping with other Christians. You know, I I need time of interaction with fellow Christians. And and you do, but again, that can be you and your buddy getting together in Jesus' name, just as much as going to an enormous cathedral with a choir and an organ and everything. I think where we get into trouble, here, here's the origin of legalism and the origin of a lot of problems in the church is when we take something that can be a good idea and we try and codify it into always being a good idea. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Alcohol can lead to a lot of problems in people's lives. Um, it can You can uh, drink too much and, and do stuff you really shouldn't do. You can use it as a crutch. And we may want to note, of course, that Scripture says, do not get drunk on wine because it leads to debauchery. The same book also has Jesus right. turning water into wine as his first miracle and has Paul telling Timothy to drink wine because of his stomach problems. Now, there are denominations out there that would say, given that... Uh, alcohol can cause a lot of problems, and it certainly can, we should really tell all Christians everywhere to really go easy on the alcohol. In fact, you know what we should do is just tell them to drink no alcohol, because that would be safer. You know actually what actually we should do is just alcohol is a sin, so no Christian should ever drink alcohol, because that would be the safest thing of all. And you can track the logic, but you've gone from something that's generally speaking a good idea to something that is actually against what's in the Bible. Uh, you've, you, have, you have gone into what is essentially a heresy from a good place, right? So Matt brought up, and, and rightly so, the idea of sacraments. Uh, you can think of, uh, this is not a great definition, but just as, as a quick definition, sacraments are basically religious ceremonies that Christians do, um, that, that in, in some way have a, a spiritual value to them. The, the two most common ones that you'd definitely be familiar with are baptism and communion. Um, and as a real quick thing, you might've heard people talk about parachurches. And I'm wondering if that's part of where this question is coming from is how do I know if something's like a real legit church or a parachurch organization? All right. It's a fair question. And the Bible's answer is two or more gather in the name of Jesus as a church period. The end in modern parlance, uh, a parachurch would be a group like young life or youth for right. Christ, or what we do in mission USA, a uh, inner varsity campus crusade, any group like that. Those are all parachurch organizations. The standard differentiating factor is churches serve communion and they perform baptisms. Parachurch organizations do not do those things. Um, and on that basis, we classify them differently. That's not a biblical definition. That's just a functional definition. Um, that's, that's not in the Bible. But now, the alcohol thing actually can give us a good example to work from with the idea of baptism. Baptism's a good idea. Uh, Jesus thinks if you've made a decision of faith, you should get baptized. But, at the same time, baptism is not required for salvation. Um, you, if you've, uh, what's required for salvation is calling on the name of the Lord. The Bible clearly says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Period. The end. Yeah baptism is a good idea because it's an outward sign of an inward uh, change it's a public declaration of a decision you've made it's a very good idea on a lot of levels but something being a good idea and something being mandatory are not the same thing in the same way that something being a bad idea often and being something we should just label as a sin is not the same thing A lot of the structure that you see in modern-day churches, both to the positive and the negative, are the result of taking things that are often a good idea or often a bad idea and enshrining them as things that we must always do or we must never do. That creates a lot of problems. If you strip it all the way back, it's two or more gathered in the name of Jesus.
0: That's all really fantastic stuff. And as ever, if you have specific questions about a specific situation and you want us to uh, help kind of— give you some input on what's going on with something. You can always send us an email or a message and we can do that offline. All right, move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously. It says at lunch, I sometimes sit with my friend who doesn't seem to have a regular friend group. Whenever I see them eating alone, I feel super guilty. However, when I do sit with them, I feel really drained by their extremely sociable personality while trying to engage in the conversation and eat at the same time. How do I reach out to them without exhausting myself? Glenn, once kicks off here.
1: Well, yeah, I think uh, I'm trying to read between the lines here a little Ah. bit. You know, that's that's what you do. No, but that's what the pros do. No. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm sensing that this might involve uh, the kind of person who quote unquote tries too hard. Uh, I think we all have uh, a a friend in our friend group that's just. putting a lot of energy into this interaction. And there's uh Hey, Glenn, how you doing? It's good to see you, buddy. Yeah. You, you know, I, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm doing this in order to, you know, drive the conversation and have everything be cool and create a bond and whatever. And it doesn't appear to be working. So what I need to do is twice as much... And then that will really get me there. And the, the more they're doing it, the more it's bugging you and the less attention you're giving them. So they feel like they need to do it twice as much to get, you know, and so on and so forth. So we get sort of a downward spiral going there. Uh, and this happens all the time. It's, it's not an unusual thing. We've, we've all known people who kind of are stuck in that loop of just trying too hard and you know, putting a lot of emphasis into this and, and just kind of overcooking every part of this interaction. But I think part of what you're talking about here is this is a person who maybe doesn't, you know, uh, doesn't have a lot of other people to hang out with. That's why you feel guilty and you're hanging out with them. So if you're trying to help this person have a, a more rich social life, I think it's, it's fair for you to ask them to meet you part way. I mean, if, you're, if, if it's draining you to help them, that's something you want to say out loud. Uh, the you know our our job involves uh helping people with every different kind of physical and emotional and spiritual problem, and when we're doing that it's important to communicate with them uh would you mind not fighting me on this while i'm trying to help you out you know that if we feel like they're draining us and sometimes that happens you know sometimes they're just kind of stuck on uh you know they want to do a certain thing a certain way and you know, they, there's a way. They, there's a there's a certain type of job they want to get, and they don't want to hear about another kind of job. And uh, they're they're bugging you to give them what they want, and and it's not going to work. And you, they're they're not hearing that it's not going to work. And you get to a point where you say, "I'm trying to help you. I need you to meet me part way on that. I need you to work with me on this." Uh, you're you're you've kind of got an agenda that you're trying to work with here. You've got something you're trying to push. Uh, but uh, I, I'm trying to help you here. Work with me on that. I think that applies for social situations, friendships. Uh, I, there's lots of Bible studies where it's going along good, and then one new person comes in, and holy cow, is this person taking uh, way yes. too much airtime, way too much attention, is acting weird, and nobody knows what to say and what to do. I think it's perfectly okay to pull that person aside and say, hey, we all love you. We all want to help you out. We need you to uh, uh, get in a position where we can help you a little better. We need you to let us help other people as well. We need you to kind of feel the vibe of what's happening around you and adjust yourself to it. uh, Because otherwise, you're going to have these problems. I think people who have struggles in their social life don't have anyone being honest with them in that sort of way, it's a kindness it's a kindness to them to break that down to them.
0: And it's a really fantastic place to start this off. And Jed, I'd love to get you here because um I think Glenn gave us a lot of really good advice on the, the aspect of how to reach out to this person. But I think there is another aspect of that and again it's the thing we talk about in our ministry a lot when we're dealing with people who are um, I don't even mean draining is a negative thing. Sometimes they're if it's for a season, Glenn's saying you can't let this go on forever. But sometimes people are in a mode where they just need all hands on deck. Yeah, and for the people in their lives who, who are called to do that, we're happy to do it. But you do have to um, kind of do some replenishing on the other side,
3: right? There's no doubt about it. To pick up right where Glenn left off, because it's all awesome advice. Oh yeah. Let's say you do that. You've got this person that's got struggles, they've got issues, and may have some social awkwardness, and you you know you're honest with them and whatnot. And they're like, okay, I'm, you know, I, I can do that. And they may shift from being mm. colossally exhausting to deal with to mostly exhausting to deal with, uh, which would be a huge improvement. That would be that would be great. Um, that's
0: more than most people ever do.
3: That's more than most people ever do. Um, you know, what? Uh, uh, we still have a person that we're trying to interact with that's pretty draining to deal with. So, what do we do with that? Well, the first thing is we want to take the sense of guilt away of like. If I, if I really love this person, it wouldn't be draining to interact with them. No. That's just not true. There's just, I can tell you for me, uh, I have uh, relatives that I love deeply. I'd lay down traffic for them who are just exhausting people to be around. Uh, they just are. And included on that list are folks who are working really hard to make changes in their lives and are really trying to go in the right direction, are improving, they're getting better. They're, they're still a little on the tiring side. And that's okay. That's, you know, uh, but there's nothing for me to feel guilty about. It's not like if I were a better Christian or love them more or something that I wouldn't notice that it just doesn't work that way. The other side of it is if I can embrace the fact of they are a fatiguing person to interact with, then I can plan accordingly. That means I need to put some gas in the tank before I deal with them. I need to have a plan in place for how I'm going to recover and put something back in the tank after I have dealt with them. Um Planning for what is rather than the way we wish it was is a much, much more effective strategy. So that may mean for you, um, uh, uh you don't say in your um, question whether you're at work or at school when you're having lunch, but uh that may mean trying to have lunch with them a couple of times a week, but maybe not every single day. Um, You know, maybe you go and have lunch at a different cafeteria or a different restaurant or a different break room or whatever, and give yourself uh, a break, but figuring out how to make this sustainable is really, really key. And again, part of that is the great stuff Glenn was saying in terms of being clear with people and, and setting boundaries to take all the way back to the first question. And then to build on that part of it is having healthy expectations, of how draining these interactions are going to be, how much we can do, given that how we're going to put gas in the tank, both before and after.
0: I think that's a fantastic point. And Lee, I'd love to get you to close this out here. Um, and Jed brings up a very important concept, which is sustainability. And one of th- these guys are given some good points on things that make this sustainable. Uh, to me, as I look at it and Jed brings up the idea of being in school, which I think is a definite possibility here. Thinking back to my time doing a youth ministry and as, as Lee still does now with high school kids at church and young life, one of the things that can make any situation unsustainable is if you are putting it on yourself to be the one who fixes it. If you're coming into it with a little bit of a, it can, sometimes it can be a hero complex. Sometimes it can be just not having any other ideas. Maybe it's a combination of the two of this person is having a hard time. In this case, that they seem lonely and I got to do something about it. And that being, as far as your strategy goes, that in and of itself is unsustainable. So how do we find a sustainable idea from a strategy end?
2: Yeah, I, I love the I love that question. I love where it goes with thinking about this through the strategy and and and, and by the way, writing this question to folks uh like you know, like Glenn and Jed and, and Matt and even myself who are in outreach ministry is is the right move because the thing about outreach ministry is um we are, you know, anybody in outreach is gonna deal with the weird folks. Uh we're there's a there was a guy, a very famous missionary, who at one point said, where there's light, there will be bugs. And uh, and, and when you are reaching out with the love of Jesus, you're going to run into folks who, there's no two ways about it, they're annoying. And, uh, and they're the people that, t- to be honest, they're the people that other folks have rejected. And so the love of Jesus is inviting. The love of Jesus is accepting. And so, but Matt's exactly right. You can't have the hero complex or the Messiah complex where... You are going to be the person that's going to uh, reform this whole person's life. Remember that John the Baptist said a very, very important uh, thing in in John chapter 3. He said, I already told you, I am not the Christ. And that's an important thing to remember for any time. Even when you have kind of a squeeze on your heart for somebody to know, that in the end, God is the person who's going to rescue this person. I'm not the Christ. I'm not going to be able to do that. But planning for how to do this is super, super important. I love the things that Jed said about filling the tank up before and getting ready to fill the tank up after. Another thing that I would suggest is if you can, maybe like if, if the strategy is I'm going to sit with this person at lunch, this might be a good opportunity to bring somebody along with you. Somebody that might not be uh, like on their own, this person and the person that you're reaching out to wouldn't get along, but you can bridge the gap between them. And so, you know, so that you're not, you're not trying to fill that conversation, you know, completely by yourself. We've all been in relationships with those people who they, they, they don't lift, you know, their side of the weight conversationally, you know, where you ask a question and they just give you a one word answer. So now you got to come up with another set of questions immediately. And so that's a, that's a difficult and awkward kind of a thing. If somebody's awkward in that way, bring somebody along with you. And then, uh, you know, the idea of exactly as they're saying, like, n- you know, n- we're not going to have lunch every single day or getting another plan. We're going to, um, here's what we're going to do after school. We're going to go hang out at this place. We're going to do this thing. Oddly, getting an activity is going to be one of those things that's going to give you a different focus. So the focus isn't your face and their face, but this thing that we're doing. You know, if you're an adult, you know, you can take somebody with you to go to a driving range. And now the conversation is about our swing and how we're hitting these golf balls and stuff like that or fishing or something like that with you know there are things you can do if this is a if this is a younger person there there's things in your town like that 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 you could do that kind of a stuff this this isn't really spiritual advice but this is you know more kind of a practical side of it if you have something else that's the focus then it enables you to to have something else to talk about to have something else that that everybody's uh, this is a weird way to think about this but somewhere else for your eyes to land um everybody's looking at something different than just looking at each other's faces bring somebody with you get a plan have a stopping point so that this thing isn't going to be you know 3 hours of your day or whatever so that you can you can in your mind you can uh see it as a a finite amount of time, we're going to do this thing together, and then I'm going to move on to something else. Exactly as Jed's saying, then I'm going to fill the tank in some other way. Outreach is, is, is an important thing, and it can be incredibly draining. It, is, it, it can be an incredibly draining thing to pour your life out to, to reach out to somebody else. But exactly as these guys are saying, you're, you're not the, you know, this person's only hope. But I love how Glenn's saying you can tell them what they need to hear, but you can also uh, kind of put constraints on that time. What are we doing? How long are we going to meet? Can I bring somebody else along that can totally change the shape of, of, that, of that interaction?
0: I think this is all very, very good stuff. And in the interest of good strategy, I would give one more option here, and then I'll kind of break down the three behind it. So the other thing you could definitely do, and let's let's say for the sake of argument that this is a high school cafeteria, is you know, there's I can sit with my friends and watch this person be lonely and feel bad. That's not a great option, and we know God doesn't want you to feel guilty. There's I can go be the only person who sits with this person, and that makes me a little crazy. That's that's not good, it's not sustainable as we pointed out. You're trying to do a good thing. We don't want to wash that under. That's it's a super great thing you're doing. It takes a lot of courage, it takes a lot of a lot of character. But if you ramp that up, one, the move could be, why don't I ask this guy to come sit with my existing friend group? Here's why I would guess you haven't done that yet. And it's not, it's not a criticism. It's just the way we all feel. A lot of times we will get in a situation where we will do an incredibly hard thing to avoid doing the slightly scary thing. It's, it's risky in a social situation, in a high school situation, to be the person who brings the weird kid into the lunch table. Now, if your friends are Christian, you can prep them and say, let's let's be Christian at this dude. And to go back to, to Glenn's point earlier and to tie back to the confrontation thing, you can grab the, fr- the friend you bring in and say, Frankie, I love you. But sometimes you just dominate a conversation and get into a monologue that's kind of rude. I don't mind, but don't do that. We're going to have these, these, they want to talk about what they want to talk about. Don't try to steer to your thing. Just be there, nod, engage. That's taking a s an actual, what doing what we would call it. That's a spiritual leadership role. You're saying this is a thing that we're going to, we're going to try to actually fix with biblical ideas, with ideas of fellowship and community and some charity. And all that can really blow up in your face and make you the dude who brought the weird kid to the jock table, and what if they make fun of him, and what if they don't, they don't like me anymore? So again, that's something you want to pray up, but that's actually, that's also, to go back to Glenn's point, we want to look at what's the actual problem we want to fix here. If the problem is that I feel like this person, unfairly, people don't see that he's he is a good guy, and I feel like no one's given him a chance, and he's having a hard time fitting in. That's, it's fantastic that you want to do something about that, but that's a bigger problem than he sits alone at lunch once a day, once a week, whatever. So the solution needs to be bigger than I will just plug myself into this spa. You say, okay, he has this need for friends. And again, I have some Christian friends where I need to talk to a youth pastor, a young life leader, or people who maybe aren't my friends, but who I do know, love Jesus. And I see him at church, but we don't hang out at school. And we got to get together and do something here. That's, that's a real solution. That's the kind of thing that if, if this was someone at, at Oak Ridge High School that we was talking to, if this was someone at the uh, residential program we work with at the bridge that we see, that's the kind of thinking we would try to do of what's a thing that we can do that fixes the real problem and that also is not dependent on us being the one who makes it go all the time every day. So when we talk about a sustainable solution, that's what we mean. And that that is not as hard on the day to day. But sometimes it does take that one big jump of wisdom and courage, and that's that's okay because you can get all that stuff. And if you have questions about that, you can obviously write in. If you have a question for us say at podcast@gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. dot com the song of this week. This is we're in the full roundtable because this is a song that was written by Lee, mm. produced by Jed, and vocals by our friend Eric Barrios all right. from Florida down there. This is an original record for the Bridge Loud. And you know Glenn didn't actively hinder the process so I think that counts for something. Yeah,
1: I I was I heard it. At yeah. no
0: at no point did he just smack Jed's hand off the keyboard while he was trying to produce <laughs> it. So, right. and he's done it before, sure, but he sure. didn't do it this time. Right. So he gets credit. I think that's I think that's worth a co-producing credit. Absolutely. So this song is called "Not Settling." Lyrics, uh, vocals by our friend Eric Barrios. Originally recorded for our Bridge Loud program. take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: the say that podcast. Just hoping our wave of Scandinavian popularity expands to Sweden because of all the free IKEA. Oh.